Blog Talk Radio. sometimes culture, from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me soon here in the studio will be cartoonist Bosch Faustin. By the way, he's got a couple of awesome, exciting little announcements today to share with you, so we'll look forward to chatting with him in a few minutes. The title of today's show is... Clinton as champion, yes, she's portraying herself as a champion, but she is actually a champion of class warfare, coming out of the gate early on class warfare type issues. So we'll be talking about that as well as Marco Rubio's announcement, whatever you could glean from that and and his candidacy. If you want to talk about anything that we have planned to discuss today, you can call in 760 760- 888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And just a warning for those of you who are into such things, Bosch is all ready to discuss Daredevil. Towards the end of the show today, we will have him discuss that. If there are going to be spoilers, we will, of course, do it at the very end of the show and give you the opportunity to duck out and not uh, miss anything. He's watched the entire 13-episode series already that was just dropped within the last week, actually within the last few days by Netflix. So prepare for that as well as a lot of other things. Go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com and you can see links to a lot of the things that we would like to talk about. Hello, anyone. Uh, someone's in the chat room and says, dang, how do I change my nickname? I don't know. You're going to have to ask the experts over here. I'm very happy to have uh, a listener to the show who has volunteered to try to look for a solution to a, the the chat issue and might be coming up with a new method of us all chatting without mysterious, ever-changing nicknames very soon. I think it'll be really cool. Um but welcome to everyone there. Feel free to chime in or, as I said, to call in. Uh, what does everyone think? You're going to vote for Hillary, right? There's actually been a little campaign out there on Twitter to explain why you won't vote for Hillary Clinton. And I'll give you my reason in a second. But why don't we go ahead and listen to Hillary in her own words. Maybe I'll go ahead and 
forward it through part of her campaign video. But let's see if we can get this to come up here. I'm getting ready for a lot of things. When I heard the beginning of this, I actually thought that it was a commercial. It's spring. That I was going to watch a commercial before her announcement. But it turns out it was her announcement. Um, it was very strange. Next year. And so we're moving just so she can belong to a better school. Mi hermana y yo estamos empezando un primer negocio. After five years of raising my children, I am now going back to work. Every day we're trying to get more and more ready and more prepared. Baby boy, coming your way. <laughs> right now I'm applying for jobs. It's a look into what the real world will look like after college. I'm getting married this summer to someone I really care about. I'm going to be in the play and I'm going to be Yeah, just Jean class. in the chat room here said that she thought this was also a different commercial that was unrelated to Hillary Clinton to as well. Interesting, huh? Retirement means reinventing yourself in many ways. Well, we've been doing a lot of home renovations. But most importantly, we really just want to teach our dog to quit eating the trash. <laughs> and so we have high hopes for 2015 that that's going to happen. <laughs> Again, you have no substance. Just put a lot of everyday naturalistic type vignettes, you know, for us to enjoy because you have no real substance. And it really feels good to be a part of that. I'm getting ready to do something, too. I'm running for president. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times. I mean, get a load of this. You know, here she is. She's saying, um, yeah, this one, you know, they're going to teach their dogs not to eat the garbage. Then they have the guy, you know, he's the fifth generation business guy. And, you know, he, uh, of course, the only thing that he emphasizes is that the country was founded on hard work. You wouldn't want to say that the country was actually founded on the principle of individual rights because that would basically negate the entire Hillary Clinton campaign, right? Um, but, yeah, you know, this one's doing this, this one's doing that. And she says, hey, and I'm running for president, you know, like that's just uh, like everybody else, you know. And when I think when you make an announcement of that magnitude that you would probably kind of not put it in the context of all the other things, but... You know, she wants to just be one of you. That's the idea. Their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Every the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. She tells us. You know, this is already in her announcement, giving you a foreshadowing of the sort of class warfare approach that she is starting to already take as we see in the Reuters article we'll talk about in a second. Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. You need a champion. She wants to be your champion. Are you excited? (laughs) Daniel in the chat room says, could we instead convince her to train that dog not to eat the garbage, and then we can elect the random dog owners? I would vote for those random dog owners over Hillary Clinton. And I'm betting that Hillary Clinton does not know how to train the dog not to eat the garbage. Um, yeah, she definitely comes across as condescending. I, I think that that is definitely true. Ron in the chat room says, with the history of U.S. politics, why do I think she is going to win? Yikes. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. Can we stand You can up? do more than just get by. You can get ahead. And- you can get ahead. Because, of course, getting ahead is supposed to be getting ahead of what? Other people? Or what? 
Ahead of whom? Ahead of what? I don't know. Ahead. Stay ahead. Because when families are strong, America is strong. (laughs) So I'm hitting the road to earn your vote. Because it's your time. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. It's your time because, you know, it's her time. And, yeah, she's hitting the road. So you're excited, right? You're all going to go out and see her and get ahead off of someone else's accomplishments, says Mark in the chat room. Get ahead. I don't know. Get ahead of what? And then a lot of people have said things about her logo. (laughs) One, uh, Actually, Rob Abiera he posted over on the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook. There's a, a cartoon talking about the fact that a red arrow going to the right is probably not the best logo for a Democrat candidate. Very, very interesting. Um, does the red arrow, does it look like the arrow that you're going to see on your screen when you vote? Right? So is she kind of preparing you, you know, to like associate the red arrow voting thing with her? I, you know, it's interesting. And someone said that it looks sort of like Goldwater's logo from way back when. I saw a little meme about that as well. But here she is. She's going to be your champion. The commercial, it does. It sounds like a commercial with the kind of music and everything where they're trying to sell you on maybe a retirement fund or something like that. Doesn't it sound like that? I think that's what it sounds like. (laughs) Holly says the logo looks like directions to the nearest hospital. Yeah. And the hospital is going to be about the last thing that you're going to want to go to if we now have Hillary after Barack Obama, because we're not going to be able to get anything. (sighs) Oh, decapitation equals get ahead. Oh my gosh, that's sad. The whole country's going to go to the emergency room, right? Right. What but this is the thing. We practically are the emergency room of the world. So, if any place else if something went wrong anywhere in the world, then people would want to come here. So, where do we go when things go wrong here? There is no emergency room in the room to go you know emergency room in the world to go to anymore we just actually Bosch I think you are happy that you came in a little bit late because we actually played the Hillary Clinton commercial and you've probably seen it now do you watch it right I don't know you're not sure if you watched it I'm trying to forget if I did okay because I I mean I watched it earlier today for the first time I actually put it off I did purposeful procrastination Mm -hmm for today. I figured I would wait until today to actually see it. And then when I played the video at first, I was horrified. Uh, I mean, not horrified. Excuse me. I was, I, like I said, I was telling you guys earlier, Bosch this is going to hear. When I first saw it, I thought it was a commercial before the announcement. And it turns out that the thing that looked like a commercial was her campaign no. announcement. Right. So, so yeah, what do you think? I mean, what kind of commercial does it seem like? To me, it does. It seems like a commercial for, like, a retirement fund. You know? They try to make it seem upbeat and, you know. Because that's what you think about when you think about Hillary Clinton. Upbeat, But what does a retirement fund convey? It conveys some sort of security about the future. She wants you to associate her with security, being taken care of, 
normal everyday right. life, the stuff, you know. I mean, do we really sure. want to spend much time thinking about a retirement a, fund? No, no. You just want to live your life and pursue your values and kind of know that that's there. She wants to be America's mother. What? Yes, yes. Uh, Ron says this is a highly organized, well-studied campaign that is intended to reach the feelings of a disconnected society. Very intentionally touchy-feely. Yeah, it definitely has that atmosphere. And for her to get in there and talk about, you know, there's people at the top. And like, you're, like Hillary Clinton. Right. And what, and what are the stats on her again? Well, she's rich. I mean, her daughter had a $3 million wedding. Was yeah, that no, it? Yeah. She's a yeah. multimillionaire mm-hmm. from lying and cheating and gaming the system. She didn't earn it. I mean, there, there's nothing that she, there's no business that, that she created. There's nothing. They just, they found a way to, to sell lies. I mean, you know, Bill Clinton had that book. I think Rush Lumber calls it My Lie. Yeah. <laughs> Is it my life? Is that what it's yeah. called? Okay. <laughs> but they make their money that way. They make $8 million advance on books that no one buys. Holly says, she's flat broke. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> what is flat broke on her she scale? Said yeah. oh, she said uh-huh. she was flat, bo- flat broke when they left the White House, which is not true. It's a lie. Now, they're, look, and it, it, you know, you, you never want to begrudge anyone's wealth, but they didn't. I mean, what did they create? They, they created nothing. They sold a pack of lies in their books. They got advances for lies. They wrote lies, or they had someone else write lies. And uh, they gained the system. They found a way behind the scenes to become multimillionaires. Again, you know, this is a woman that at least twice in her life that I know of, in trying to get away with stuff, has decided when there was some sort of information that she was trying to obscure from people, make it not easy to get at, the way that she would hide it is by delivering it in a huge sack of paper that was just basically impossible to go through. So this happened when she tried to push Hillary Claire, you know, Hillary Care all over on us. Multiple reams of paper delivered to the Senate without page numbers for them to analyze. And then most recently with the email, she brags about turning over, what was it, 300,000 emails or whatever the hell it was. And uh, she delivered these emails on 55,000 pages of paper, printed paper. You do not deliver emails on printed paper. You deliver emails the way emails are sent and received. You deliver them electronically. But no, she would be the only person in the world when she's supposed to make something public. She'd deliver it in a ream of paper. I said that Hillary was America's mother. She wants to be America's mother. Rob Barrier said America's mother or America's mugger. Now, she, <laughs> wants be, she wants to be known as America's mother, but she is America's mugger. Flat. And uh, Aristotle's age um, writes, Brett Stevens, who writes for Wall Street Journal, who's, I think, good sometimes, sometimes not, but he says he wrote a new column called Hillary and the Liberal Way of Lying. It's trending on, uh, on Wall Street Journal right now. That is good. beautiful. No, because she's, uh, you know, like her husband, Two of the biggest, I mean, it's probably the biggest lying couple ever. I mean, arguably. I mean, think about this flat broke, right? Ron says flat yeah. broke means earning 200000 a year. Because so once, I, I want to be flat broke like that. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who doesn't? If all Americans were, were flat broke like that, my, I mean, wow. 
just just think from my perspective, I would not even call that flat broke. And imagine if you were in a position where that is what you would call flat broke. Exactly. Then, but but they weren't. They're, I mean, they were already getting advances prior to them leaving the White House for millions of dollars for some reason. I mean, it's, it's just sick, but publishers deserve it. They take a bath with the books. They don't sell the books. They pay them millions in advance, and they and they don't make any profit. But they're the idiots, and they pay a price for it. She wants to be your champion when she's already married to a man who's receiving the presidential pension. Yeah. And then what do they do? They get two of them? I guess so. Would they get double the uh, security guards for life and yeah. all that stuff that the, right. all the presidents get? Look, they're a vile couple. And uh, just got to get their ass kicked out of politics, out of any major, major office. Just get out of here. So it was interesting. A lot of people thought, you know, that she would come in really without conveying any message whatsoever. And she conveyed almost no message. But she did, in that announcement video, take a little stab, you know, at the proverbial 1% or whatever. She didn't say 1%, but, you know. At herself. You think about it. Those at the top. She's... At the top, she's there, and they, she wants to get away, like Obama's at the top. They want to pretend that they're not, and they, they got to be cold on it. Right. So Hillary Clinton, you're rich, you're very rich. You want to go after yourself? Do that. Just right. leave everyone else alone. Go after yourself. You know what I mean? What well, her, her her daughter leave. makes six hundred thousand a year, I think, is what, what I heard. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, Reuters article: Hillary Clinton surprises with early attack on CEO pay says Hillary Clinton under pressure from the left wing of her Democratic Party to aggressively campaign against income inequality, voiced concern about the hefty paychecks of some corporate executives in email to supporters. They say, striking a populist note, Clinton, who announced on Sunday that she was running for president, said American families were still facing financial hardship at a time, quote, when the average CEO makes about 300 times what the average worker makes. End quote. And they say, you know, it was tightly scripted, few surprises. The comments were at least unexpected, you know, unexpected by uh, progressives, they said, who saw these comments as an early sign that she may shift away from the centrist economic policies pursued by Clinton. Quote, this is a guy who actually appeared in the video. Uh, He says, I definitely see the push from the left wing, which I think is great. Um. You know, Clinton was a leftist, and he was ideological, but he he favored, you know, the other thing. You know I mean? He wanted women a little more. So he was like, yeah, I'll play the game. I'll do my thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll compromise with the Republicans every so often. He was not as committed as Obama, in other words. No. And she might be as committed in that sense. Right, right. Or she might be doing a little bit in the sense that we have seen sort of what Ted Cruz has done in terms of catering to more of the religious right, she is perhaps catering to the would-be Warren backers. Because remember, a lot of people were very excited about Warren. And it appears that Warren's not running, although who knows? There's still plenty of time. Well, they deny it, you know, they usually come right back. But what she might be doing is she might be saying, hey, hey, I've got enough class warfare rhetoric for the whole thing. And, you know, how many women spouting class warfare you know rhetoric does this race have room for at the moment uh, it it's just it is really fascinating that she's going to basically try to waltz in 
and yeah. do this. Now, I didn't even put a link to this, but I saw something going around today that she had some sort of a little town hall kind of gathering or whatever, and they called it intimate, and there were more reporters yes. than, than actual participants. But from what I heard, every participant there had been screened carefully, and all the questions had been submitted in advance. We are talking, like, if you wanted to have something out of 1984 yeah. where the message is completely scripted, I mean, instead Obama of, you know, that. this is this is big sister, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I mean, this is what we are seeing in Hillary Clinton, you know, the, the very kind of, you know, uh, what do I want to call it, complimentary photo that the New York Times published of her last week where they it was kind of dark and that then there was this smile of hers. Yeah. Wow. I mean you know she never smiles by the way she smiles. They they wanna they wanna make her look, you know, in the most flattering way possible, this this uh the way it's that they impossible. portray. Yeah. Yeah. Holly writes um here about yeah, she said Holly's quoting Hillary Clinton that she said the unfettered free market has been the most radically disruptive force in, in American life in American life in the last generation. Where was that unfettered free market? In the last generation where, where in particular. Where, I mean the closest the closest we ever came to the unfettered free market in the United States was in the middle of the nineteenth nineteenth yes. century. But but think about what, what she's saying. End of the twentieth century was not a anything like of it. freedom in a market that is terrible. Yeah. For their plan. You know, Bosch, can we have a big sister? Oh, yeah. Can we have a, co- a cartoon like that? Definitely. Because that is really... I've drawn her, so I could definitely... Instead just, of big brother, uh, she's yeah. big sister. Now, I remember I drew Mitt Romney once, and I used that same drawing for dozens of cartoons. Oh, of course. Because of course. I don't want no, no. to redraw why, why, why her. Why redraw these people? I've, no. I've drawn her, and that's I'm, I'll do it, yeah. Big yeah. sister. Yeah, it's exactly... It's very good. So Reuters is talking about the gap between chief executives, you know, the pay of chief executives, whatever. Um, CEOs in 1965 earned about 20 times what a typical worker brought home. Uh, and now the CEO compensation is nearly 300 times the pay of the average worker. I would assume that CEOs are handling a lot more than they used to. And they're responsible for a lot more, but, you know... Um, I don't know these people, but he, what do you so, so, think the media is going to try to say compare her to Thatcher because she's the anti-Thatcher? But when do you think the media will? Because the media did that with uh, Obama; they hate Reagan, but they said Americans like Reagan, so let's try to you know let, let's try to connect these guys. So what do you think the media will try to call her some kind of Thatcher? I mean, now in a few months or when? Because oh no, you know it's going to happen. Yeah, you know they're going to pull that. But anyway, I'm sorry. What were you saying? No, they would love to have kind of the positive vibe that Thatcher has. They can't stand her. Kind of they rub off hate over her, on her. But they're like, yeah, the, the people like her. You know, the people. The so, so, you know, Clinton as the spokeswoman of income inequality is not only hypocritical, but of course the main point is that it's completely immoral and I was. I was kind of surprised that she would actually come out with this. You figured she'd try to come up with something a little bit more centrist. But yeah, but she has to do something. I mean, look, she's riding the wave that Obama started. I mean, two, eight years, two terms of this. She figured, oh, that, that works. It, no. I mean, after eight years, I think some Americans are going to be tired of it. And she, But she's just playing this game. Like She has to distinguish herself really from the old guys. She can't go moderate because she won't win. So in her mind, she has to go all the way. Eventually. Yeah, Holly in the chat was saying uh, 
it's definitely more important to vote for the first female and black president than anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's the critical thinking. You know, I, I, again, I, I think I talked about this on Friday, but I saw that meme I out there, and politics. it was the meme out there was so perfect. It was, you know, that awkward moment when everybody who was once a racist is now a sexist or yes. something like that. One yes. one title that I had thought about for tonight's show was we are all sexists now, because of course I'm going to be criticizing Hillary Clinton and whatever I can deem to be her policy so far. The only type of policy that she's talked about is that she thinks that rich people are too rich and she wants to help you, the so-called normal people get ahead. Right. I mean that that's all that we get from this so far. So it is it is egalitarianism that she's pushing right at the outset. She's like vote for me, vote for egalitarianism. Never mind, you know, it's it's like um in the Wizard of Oz, you know, like don't look behind the screen because she is so wealthy, so spoiled. She has absolutely no idea of the type of thing that normal Americans are going through in part right now because of the policies of people like her because under Obamacare, I mean, my insurance has gone up tremendously already. I had to downgrade my policy from last year because the policy that I was going to have, I think, went up 12% or something like that. So I had to go for a cheaper policy, which means more out of pocket. You know, whether it works out better in the long run, who knows? But we're all guessing. We have no idea what's coming thanks to people like her. Um, There's an article that I was going to share with you. They're saying at 538.com, I guess they do some politics, some, you know, analysis, Clinton begins the 2016 campaign, and it's a toss-up. And they're saying for a variety of reasons, they think there's only a 50-50 chance that she could win. Uh, First of all, there's an incumbency in Obama's approval rating. It seems like it's probably not going to go very much one way or the other. There's a 50-50 chance. I mean, isn't that for everyone? Why would they think that she's a shoo-in? I mean, there's there's, there's the implication, like, well, she has to win. She obviously probably thinks she's a shoo-in, right? For what? Why? (laughs) Why? But, but I mean, all seriousness, why? She's entitled. Yeah, you know that, that right? Mind, yes. Yes. I mean, she'll be horribly shocked if she doesn't win. Uh, the other thing is they talk about the economy. Um, the the author here, his name is I think Nate Silver. He says that I'd warn against the simplistic economic fundamentalism, the notion that the economy is pretty much the only thing that matters. Now we already know that that's true, right? That People, even though they know that capitalism means more prosperity for everyone, Hillary Clinton is betting on, and she might be right, that people right now are full of envy for those at the top, right? And, you know, it's the idea where they do the experiment in a classroom of kids, and they'll say, okay, um, if you know, do you want some people to get A pluses and some people to get C's and F's, or you could vote this other way and everybody will all get C's or something. And there are people who will vote for everybody to get C's or even yeah. D's, as opposed to say they'll get a C and some people will get A pluses because they can't stand that there are people getting A pluses out there, regardless of how hard they worked for it, if they can only get a C. So they'd rather everybody get a D 
then some people get the A pluses. And some of them think it's a matter of morality as well. So for example, a Warren Buffett might say, hey, I'm not going to vote my pocketbook. I'm going to vote my morality. And even if that means I'm going to have to give up a huge percentage. I'm going to vote my immorality? (laughs) That's right. Is that what you Morality, of course, we use in the loose generic sense there because his morality is anything but moral. The Electoral College and the, quote, emerging democratic majority. There's tipping point states and all this stuff, and I guess they're saying it could go either way. And then they talk about Clinton and the Republican candidates. Um, Some of the Republicans are basically people who could give her a run for her money. And they also talk about the fact that um, Clinton is essentially a, quote, generic Democrat. Okay, so in this article, one of the reasons they say it's 50-50, they say Clinton is a safe bet to be the Democratic nominee. Why? Because her political positions are essentially those of a generic Democrat. She's neither a true centrist nor extremely far to the left, so she's not especially vulnerable to a challenge from either flank of her party. So probably she's going to be there. Republicans have a choice between more moderate, more conservative candidates, etc. But I guess they're saying it's not likely to happen. It would be so weird if she's the only one who runs. I mean, even Biden says, well, I'm not really sure if I'm going to run. Doesn't the vice president always run? Almost always, yeah. Uh, Cheney didn't because I think he has heart problems. Well, of course, of course. Yeah, but that's about it. Well, Bush, Biden Rittman. has brain problems. Well, but that's what, you know. well does he have a brain? Oh. <sighs> who's been following the U.K. elections. I haven't followed the U.K. elections. If you want to give us a, a brief synopsis of what's going on in uh, U.K., we'll gladly pass the word along. But they're having such a horrible time in the U.K., I don't even know. Now, I put out on Twitter, if you want to follow me, Amy Peacock, on Twitter, that is awesome. But I started after I saw this article from Reuters where she's already coming in and attacking CEO pay, right, and if you want to ever go go and listen to your own Brooke give his excellent lectures on egalitarianism and income inequality. But in essence, if she's pushing this egalitarian line, what it means is she is pushing nihilism. It's a continuation of the nihilism that we've had under Barack Obama. Because how is it that you're going to make everybody equal? The only way that you can make people equal is to destroy the people at the top to cut them down. And a perfect, perfect illustration of this is the fictional short story called Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. Many years ago, a friend of mine named Brian Yoder uh, introduced me to that story. So I always have to thank him for introducing me to this story. But it's the kind of thing that sticks in your mind. You cannot forget it because it is essentially in fiction a reductio ad absurdum of egalitarianism. And so right after I saw that Hillary Clinton, right after her announcement, is already attacking CEO pay and pushing the egalitarian agenda, I put out there on Twitter why I'm not voting for Hillary because I want Harrison Bergeron to remain a work of fiction. And it's not the kind of you know, tweet that's going to get a whole lot of attention because it has this obscure fiction reference. But I think this fiction reference should become less obscure. So feel free to spread the word 
out there. I mean, go find Harrison Bergeron. I think because I don't think it's in copyright anymore. I think it's fallen out of copyright so that you could find it and actually share it out there with your friends and say, hey, is this what you want to vote for? You want to vote for this? Because, I mean, we already have had plenty of things going in the direction of egalitarianism under Barack Obama. And if you just would like to, you know, put the nail on the coffin, so to speak, continue. Just continue along those lines. So what's going on out there? Nothing. Nothing? Something. Something? Yeah. Something uh, that's a little off. So Aristotle's age over in the chat room here at Blog Talk Radio is saying that the UK right now has a choice between the conservatives led by a milquetoast centrist and their only relatively free market alternative is vehemently anti-immigrant. You know, here's the thing. Um, The way that England is right now, I couldn't necessarily be, you know, too upset with somebody who portrayed themselves as anti-immigrant. Now, of course, you know, we've talked on this show many times about if you had a proper open immigration policy with the right type of screening combined with the right kind of culture and a legal environment that allowed discrimination in employment and all those things, right? Then you could combine these things. But I'm sure that in England, the anti-discrimination laws and such are even worse than they are here, although maybe they're probably similar to what we have in California. Um. It's in a bad way over there right now. So you could start to see, because what they've done is they've combined the you know, the immigration, open immigration, with a horrible legal climate and welfare programs that supports these families. I mean, how much welfare did the Sarnayev family in Boston, you know, the family of the Boston bombers? Too much. Hundreds of thousands in welfare over the Probably. decades or something? I don't and even know. And then she uh, condemned America, the, the mother. They should look at her. Look look what she's been up to. Yeah. Yeah. So Aristotle, you know, the arrogance of... Uh, Aristotle's age says, one of the things preventing the UK's economy from shrinking is a large number of Polish immigrants. See, that's good. Now, obviously, you want to have good, uh, you know, productive immigrants, but I think... That probably what they're when they're anti-immigrant, that it, it's it gets really scary because obviously it's not immigration per se that's the problem. It is sometimes the type of immigrants and sometimes the policies that are instituted in the country with respect to immigrants in terms of making it too easy to get welfare and all those things. People who come in and work and produce are never a problem in the right economic climate. Most likely outcome, he says, is that labor will get back in power, but in a coalition with Scottish nationalists. Oh, my gosh. So it could be the worst of all possible outcomes there. That's just sad. Oh, uh, Kay McGinnis says there was more than one version of Harrison Bergeron. Get the latest one. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. If you have a link to that, I'd love to see it. If you want to drop it here in the chat room, that would be great to see. And then if I can grab it, then what I could do is I could stick it over on the blog. Uh, I didn't realize there was more than one version, and I haven't read it in a while. So 
maybe I'll have to go check it out. So the other person who announced this week was Marco Rubio. And if you go to Bloomberg, they actually offered, it's actually, it's the Bloomberg page on YouTube that I went to. They actually offer a two minute synopsis, like of clips okay. of the Marco Rubio announcement. So do you want to check that out with me here? Does, does he sip water? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I it's forgot like about night. that. Okay, here we go. Grounded by the lessons of our history, but inspired by the promise of our future, I announce my candidacy for President of the United States. I chose to make this announcement at the Freedom Tower because it is truly a symbol of our nation's identity as the land of opportunity. And I am more confident than ever that despite our troubles, we have it within our power to make our time another American century. This all sounds great, right? But there's no content no, really. at all. No, it doesn't. No? It's politician through and through. Yeah. And the way he delivers it also. No passion, no nothing. It's very... And also, when he does interviews, you see how fast he speaks? He, just, he goes on, on the train and he says things like, I've spoken to millions of young African Americans who feel as if they're targeted by police. I've spoken to millions, millions of, of young African Americans who feel... As if they're targeted by police, and Sean Hannity doesn't have the you know wherewithal to say, wait, you just said, you just said you spoke to millions, millions. I mean, think about what he's saying. He's trying to appeal to the black vote in some sick way, right? And who would that appeal to anyway? I mean, what kind of black person would, would appeal to someone who thinks that there are millions of black Americans being harassed by the cops? Ugly, stupid. But anyway, I something about him really puts me off. Rand Paul is a powerhouse compared to him. Yeah. Honestly, oh, he's yeah. an honest, truth-telling powerhouse compared to him. Yeah. Something about Rubio is phony and not sharp. And something the 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 delivery. You know, Rush Limbaugh. I heard today he said Reagan-esque, and then he and then I think he might have called Walker the same thing. It's like, come on, Rush. Enough of this, man. Yeah. Just you just, can't just, you can't just, just compliment every single I mean, one, just, right? Please pick one. Because while our people and our economy are pushing the boundaries of the 21st century, too many of our... What the hell does it mean to push the boundaries of the 21st century? That's Obama speak. That's Obama speak. That's what I'm saying. He's a politician. Yes. He's a hack. Okay. So so while we're pushing the boundaries, then he says... He's better than uh, Nancy Pelosi. Right. He's better than Harry Reid. He's better than Obama. (laughs) Okay. I'll give him that. And their ideas are stuck in the 20th century. And they have forgotten. They have Can forgotten that when America fails to lead, Wait. global chaos inevitably follows. If America fails to lead, global chaos inevitably follows. Obama could say that. And not believe it, too. Well, but I mean. What I'm saying, look, in post Obama. But that, but that guess, sounds neocon. Yes. That sounds yes, neocon. But, but post Obama, they have to go out there and start talking about global, world, 21st century, future. You are running to be president of the United States of America, not a world changer. Relax. Let me let me you ask know, you. You're not gonna change us. Let me ask you a question. Just right now, you know, just just kind of gut feeling mm-hmm. right away. Okay, I'm gonna ask you really quick. Mitt Romney or Marco Rubio? Marco Rubio. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I I almost would say Mitt Romney over Marco no, Rubio. That's how scared I'm scared. Mar- Mitt Romney is in that category of the horrific. Now you know he endorsed Marco Rubio. Yeah. Well, I guess he did. He did. But that's that's what I'm, yeah, my feeling would be yes because we know Mitt Romney 
I don't think we would have Rubio King. Well, but that's the whole thing. Because I don't I don't, think we because, would have Rubio Because King. I don't know him. That's what I'm saying. We know Mitt Romney. So I'm actually we more scared of what no, I don't know. No, but what I'm saying is we don't. We know that he does not, and he would not create a, a, a Rubio Care. I doubt he would do that. I highly doubt he would do Rubio Care. Well, okay, so let's listen. Keep what, going. What, yeah. So he proposed well, it? Well, just, just wait. A leader from yesterday. What's that? A leader from yesterday. Who's your friend to? I, I guess uh, Clinton. I guess. Yeah. A campaign for president by promising to take us back to yesterday. If we reform our tax code and reduce regulations and control spending and modernize our immigration laws and repeal and replace Obamacare. If we okay, so he gives you all the substance in like 10 <laughs> seconds. No, 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 so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a fast talker and it's annoying. And his whole thing is don't just just listen. Don't don't think. Don't even take it in. Just right. Right, right. bullet. So, I got my bullet so, points here. I'm, I got delivered like bullets also. Reform the tax code. So you choose between – he, he's got some vague idea of reform the tax code <laughs> no, versus eliminate the IRS and go for a flat tax. That right. is awesome. That compared. is concrete. Now, and then he said repeal, repeal and, and replace, replace Obamacare. Is, is Romney speak. Yeah. So listen, yeah. Romney see, – see, this is a big sign also. Romney smells a real hack politician. Why would he endorse him otherwise? Romney would never, ever, ever endorse Ted, Ted Cruz, not even Rand Paul. So that right there is a is a real hit against Rubio, big time. But if you ask me between him and Mitt Romney, absolutely him. It's not just because I don't know him. We know Romney is a fire-breathing progressive. He he called himself a progressive 2001. Literally, there's a video out there. I have it linked. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a progressive. Okay. He called himself a progressive. I doubt Rubio so you, is a You'd say go for Mr. Generic question mark. Yes. I mean, okay. it's, it's sad, but yeah, Romney can is we, can a we just, dangerous Can we just guy. do like a Rubio with a generic question mark? I guess, yeah. That's true. So we don't know what He's the hell. He's so lame. I mean, I just, even when, even when Ted Cruz was doing his 21-hour filibuster, you saw Rubio there. and He did go there, though, yeah, right? He, yeah, he did. So that's better than Rand yes, Paul? Yes, of course. Well, Rand Paul did, did go there also. Did he go there? And he questioned Ted Cruz, though. Okay. Question a little. Yeah. Mm, Maybe, uh, you know what I mean? Okay. But they were both there. And, and that's what I'm saying. He would be, he has been made better, Rubio, by being around Rand Paul, by, by being around Ted Cruz. Not by being around, the, you know, the hacks like Schumer and the other guys. So in that sense, he's a little better than Romney because Romney cannot tolerate Ted Cruz or Rand Paul. Right. He said basically he'll run into the race if it's ever going to be one of those guys. Exactly. So in that sense, he's better than Romney, but that is not saying much. He must be convinced that Rubio is going to get it then. No. Otherwise, no. he jumped no. in himself instead oh, you know of endorsing what? I Rubio. Hope, I hope he calls Rubio electable because that will be the death knell. Then, then, then he's out. Then he's out of the primaries. I mean, <laughs> you know I mean, Mr. Electable call Rubio electable. That would be a good sign that he's out. Well, but that's probably why he's endorsed them, because he because thinks he's not, electable. No, no, it's not things. Ru- Romney was quote-unquote electable. It's know, not that everyone thought he was well, and, fact, and, and, and Weinstein thinks, you know, that Rubio is one of only four who might possibly potentially get the nomination. Look, you put Rubio in a debate with Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, he'll be eaten alive. He's not sharp. But these people don't he's even care. not as care. bright. You know, it's, it's so funny. It's not, like, no, but people do, in these debates, these are going to be... These will be hard. These will be. This will be a debate worth watching. I was watching a talk Some guys the other day by. Um, I was watching a talk the other day by an academic, and she was talking about racism. And 
uh, one of the manifestations where people say, well, it's not that I don't want to sell you know, my home to black people or something. It's that I don't want property values to go down. And so that if you put this idea out there that if you sell a house to a black person in a neighborhood, the property values are going to go down, then basically it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That, you know, property values are going to go down. And that happens true. So this idea that, quote, somebody is electable, right? It's not that they like them. Particularly, no. they just you know, and, and it was it what was, a terrible. Re- remember, you know, I called Romney <laughs> the fruitcake of candidates, That's the fruitcake right. of candidates, and fruitcake is that you know proverbial gift that you give at Christmas time, and, it's, and you give it not because you think it's good, but you think the other person might like it, right? And everyone just kind of keeps passing it around, and nobody really likes yeah. it, but they all give it as gifts. Everybody thinks you want to elect somebody like this guy Rubio. They think. Everybody else wants him, and so they say, oh, he's electable, and that's why we have to go for him, because he's electable. But I don't think anybody also, really likes him. No, he looks so sad. He looks so, I mean, just unhappy. Yeah, you know, I've got it frozen here on a frame. I mean, he looks he, he just, unhappy, he he heavy eyelids, and he's almost like that. He's like, By the way, it's again... Like, you know, it's, it's like he's being dragged to run. Oh, okay, I'll run for president, man. That's right. It's like, uh, you don't want to do it. If you have no critical fire in the belly, as they say... Get the hell out. Daniel is comparing fruitcake to candy corn, which I think is a horrible piece of blasphemy in the Blog Talk Radio chat room Ron right here. Because answer? I like candy corn. You want to you answer what Ron's question? What's the question? Is the, is the point to vote regardless of their ideals? No. <sighs> the, the point is 2016 is an important election post-Obama. If we can get a person... That will probably do less damage than any of them. That person has to be voted for. I mean, we should vote for that person, the one who will do less, the least damage, and bring some semblance of, you know, rationality back to, back to politics, right. presidential politics. So you know, we'll see how that goes. But all these guys have their flaws. All these guys are you know religious. All these guys are irrational to, to some extent. But Ted Cruz comes off like the guy who actually he doesn't have to put a front. I see a big time front from Marco Rubio and from Rand Paul. They this is their presidential election selves that they're sending out there now. Right. This is, you know, Rand Paul he's never said his, his, uh, radical Islam before. Right. Never. And then in his first speech, radical Islam was like, oh, okay. Well, the, uh, the idea of have through to, strength yeah, and stuff that he that's was not his language. Right. right. Ted Cruz doesn't have to remember who he is. He's very out there. He's very explicit. There's no mystery about who he is. These guys is absolute mystery. No, I mean, basically, when you saw Ted Cruz announcing for president, it was just another speech given by Ted Cruz. Yeah. Now, <laughs> a little more religious. You could, you could say the same thing about Hillary Clinton, but that's because all right. of her speeches, right. she was basically running for president right. all the time, all probably the, ever since she was first lady, she, she was running for president. president. She became yes. the, the, uh, the, the Secretary of State to be president. <sighs> she became, you know, uh, Clinton's, I guess, wife, because she, she felt this guy was ambitious mm-hmm. enough to, to try to become president. Now, so, so let's, let's go back to the Rubio clip. Now, again, keep in mind, what I'm playing for you here is Bloomberg's two-minute condensation of an entire long speech. And I'm already at the 109 mark, and we just listened. I'm already to, well, right, right, and, and we and we just listened to. There was like 10 seconds where he talked about actual policy <laughs> proposals. Yeah. So he, we're talking about. Quick, right, okay, bullet. so it's 
10 seconds out of the two-minute <laughs> condensation of his whole speech where he actually talked about platform, right. whereas the rest of it was just, oh, yeah, those are old, outdated ideas, yeah. and I'm like the fresh guy. And actually, his little campaign logo, if it is, the, that's what's behind him, it does. It looks like um, like a fresh food restaurant logo. So let's keep, continue and play this. These things. If we do these things, if we do these things, the American people will create millions of better paying modern jobs. Better paying modern jobs. <laughs> what the hell are better and, and he was and he was Marco, tripping over it. Yeah, he couldn't Marco pronounce Rube. it. You know, and, and, and all I just don't again, like. again the, that that was the specific stuff and it was worded vaguely. Yes. And he says, We'll do this and we'll have better paying modern Let jobs. Let me get serious now yeah. then America blurt once out. again accepts the mantle of global leadership. The mantle of global leadership. See it's all crap. these platitudes. Global I mean, honestly, this is what Obama's done. He's made everyone think that the presidency is a global Leader and it is the world's president. Right. That's not the case. Right. That's not the case. To hell with most of the world. Sucks. Get out of Americans' way and protect us from the scum. Man. Let's play. Let's try to. Let's try to get through the rest. We'll see if we can. By abandoning this administration's dangerous concessions to Iran and its hostility to Israel. Abandoning the confession. I mean, he's a little, a little chubby, I guess. He's a little overweight. He wants to abandon. Just by a speech, two minutes. Like, <sighs> well, actually, it was longer than two I minutes. Know, right? <laughs> abandon the concessions and abandon the hostility. That what kind of grammar? I don't know. I've heard some suggest that I should step aside and, and wait my turn. This is when he's the most expressive on his face because he's got that, like, like, power. wait, my turn. People want to stop me from getting power? <laughs> but I cannot. Oh, he's Because I believe yeah. our very identity as an exceptional nation is at stake, and I can make a difference as president. Just so... Identity is an exceptional nation. It is yeah. so full of platitudes. Complete. I don't know. I, so... Here's the question. It's Clinton versus Rubio. Rubio because he will do less damage. Yeah. That's it. And it's, anyone who says, well, you know, don't choose either. The, the point is, it really comes down to it. Whenever I vote, who's going to hurt us least? That's where we are in this country. Right. And hopefully we get someone who says, well, this guy is not, not going to hurt us least, but he might actually open some floodgates of freedom. It's possible. And that's, I think, potentially, out of them all, Ted Cruz. He's the only one who speaks the language of freedom. Abolish the IRS. Repeal Obamacare. Repeal Common Core. This is some language that we don't hear. Exactly. Go ahead. We're going to grab a call here. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, how are you? Uh, Hi. So, Marco Rubio, I am so tired of these Cuban uh, expatriates and their children... Over and over with the same tired. No, he said these Cuban something. He was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. No. No, he's trying to nationalize them. That's not the point about about Rubio. No, the the point about Rubio is not about the Cuban expatriates. Of course not. And I don't know if. And there was like a double voice there too. Yeah, there was an intro voice, and then there was that. So I. 
two races in a pod? I have no idea. I mean, I don't care where he's from. And there are a lot of awesome Cuban expatriates. Yes, there are. I just, I think that this... That's a lousy argument. This speech was full of platitudes. I mean, I, I was actually down there in Miami with the Cubans trying to fight for Ilian Gonzalez to stay here. So I have no problem... I actually they, they really admire. With Cubans. I, I admire Cuban expatriates, um, may, or maybe he was making fun of me because he thinks I'm like maybe I'm a racist. Am no, I a racist no. if I'm criticizing Marco Rubio? Is no, that he's a racist for mentioning his this Cuban because I don't see Marco Rubio as a Cuban. He's an American. That's it. He's an American. I love this. That's a crap argument. Yeah. No, because that just popped up. So it's probably the same guys. Because there's two voices in there, so maybe yeah. just let it go. Okay. Up to you. You know, today, let it go unheard. <laughs> let it go unheard. At least oh the callers. Because oh. we don't know who's coming now. We do uh, We do have a... Up to you. Up yeah? You. Okay. Everyone, hang on for the wild ride. We're going to try. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, I was uh, I was calling over. Yeah. I was like, he was good, good at Peter Pan, Rufio. He said, "Bangarang." That's what he did, and that's what he did with the sword. He's Wait, I don't understand you. Well, slow down, slow down. Slow down. What? It's to go back to his island and fix things down there. Oh my God, this is just bad. What in the world is this? Cut it off as soon as he yaps away, because that's that's they're here to mess with us. Anyway. You want to get back to the chat room? Yeah, let's, def- let, let's definitely get back to the chat room. Let me see. Where's my uh, Where's my chat okay. window? Oh, there it is. My beautiful chat people. Hi, that was fun, huh? I, you know, could is, are there really people who are going to do yes, that? Idiots, morons, racists, fools. Now I'm going to feel bad for criticizing Marco Rubio because of what? racist. Co- no, no, I'm, I don't. But okay. I'm just saying. When you hear that, <sighs> yeah, anyway. a double voice. You know, you heard two voices there. Maybe he maybe, had. Maybe he was a two-headed racist. Well, you know, probably he had maybe like three different racist tracks that he wanted to play, and he couldn't <laughs> right. decide which one. So right. he wanted to try play all of them at once. I don't know. I have no idea. It's so exciting! It's always exciting. Anyway, he's not impressive, uh, Rubio. He's not. But again, he's better than a lot of the scum in Washington. He's not as corrupt as them. So if it comes down to it, yeah, if it's him or Hillary, you know, hold my nose, whatever. But he he's not the guy. Mm-hmm. He's not. And there's something here also about these guys. Um, you know, Ted Cruz wants to run, and the yellow guys, they all have their own motives. You know, by saying that, he's saying basically Ted Cruz is not the guy. Rand Paul's not the guy, even though I'm their colleague, I'm their allies, I'm their friend. They're not really the guy. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm the guy. Yep. And, you know, he's a little late also. It's like a month, a month after a cruise. It seems like a almost, not redundant, but we don't need you, Marco Rubio. We have two guys that are more radical than you. Uh, we don't need a guy who can straddle the establishment in a tea party like you're, like you're trying to do, like Walker's trying to do. You know what? It's going to be super interesting to see how his donations yeah. come in. And in particular, if you remember, the kind of demographics of the Ted Cruz donations, right. a high percentage of them were very low yes. amount donations, yes. like $100 or less or something. Right. And to compare the two, because I predict that you're going to see the crony-type donations going to Rubio. Oh, yeah. 
And no doubt about it. It's the grassroots type of donations that you're going to be see going to Ted Cruz, Rand Paul. Let's talk about a couple other stories before we go. One is I have to do this first of all because I went to UCLA. And also because this is my tax dollars at work, unfortunately. A couple weeks ago, I got to talk about the fact that my tax dollars apparently are going to pay for a murderer in prison to get a sex change operation. If I wanted a sex change operation, I couldn't afford one. But this Mm -hmm. person is going to get one for free. Why? Because he was a murderer and went to a prison in California and is being supported by our tax dollars. So that's wonderful. So now I'm finding that my tax dollars, uh, thankfully not alumni donations, are going to UCLA to help them mandate a diversity class. And the Breitbart article that I linked to, again, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com for links to all the stories we're talking about today. But UCLA mandates diversity class because Students are, quote, afflicted with bigotry. So for any student in the arts and sciences, the College of Letter and Sciences, which is 85% of UCLA undergrads, they are going to be required to uh, take this diversity class. It says UCLA will begin teaching the new course to incoming freshmen in fall 2015 and to new transfer students in 2017. The chancellor, he was a strict advocate for diversity education. He asserted that, quote, a diversity-focused course requirement has been a longstanding priority for me because of its clear value to our students. So I'm very pleased with the campus-wide faculty vote approving the proposal. I want to thank the many faculty members and students who have worked hard for several years to make the diversity requirement a reality. On the other side, there's political science professor Thomas Schwartz at UCLA. He contends that the course is totally unnecessary. He finds it insulting to UCLA students to suggest that they are so bigoted they would need a course like this. I mean, basically they're saying just in case there's any bit of independent thought within you at all, we have to have this course to beat it out of you. Here's a quote from Schwartz at UCLA, quote, the idea that 21st century American 18-year-olds who have been admitted to UCLA are so afflicted with bigotry that they must be forced to endure an attitude-altering course is preposterous. He says it is like forcing Norwegians to get inoculated against malaria. Times has reported that some of the opponents to requiring the class argue that UCLA is strapped for cash and can't afford it either. Moreover, they are skeptical that these classes actually improve ethnic relations. I mean, I've talked about this before in the sense of you cannot force people to be rational. Suppose, I don't see how they would get through the application process at UCLA, but suppose some bigots actually got through do you think that they're, you're going to make them unbigoted by making them sit through a right. class like this? If anything, you're going to make them more bigoted because right. you're going to make them resentful. You're going to make them push back. Uh, it was funny. I was listening to a, a Evan Pagan uh, lecture, and I wasn't really getting the the kind of you know the meaning of this one thing that he was talking about. He was talking about the idea of whatever you resist persists, and if he's 
you know, if I mean, if these people, some bigot, some you know, hypothetical bigot, is taking this class and he's resisting, right? He this this attitude is going to keep persisting in him. The bigoted attitude is going to keep persisting. So I don't I don't think it's going to help at all. No. And if it breaks the budget for other courses that are actually worthwhile that can you know treat people, why not just teach? Um, how about a required course in logic and logical yeah. fallacies? How about, how about just that? Just how about that? teach students affirmatively to think logically. How about that? But those in charge don't think logically. Now, on the other hand, the guy who called earlier, I want him to sit through the diversity anti-bigoted class. Not because I think it'll do him any good, no. because I'd like to torture him yeah. with the and class. That would be torture. Yes, I think that would yeah. be great. For him, it would be horrible torture. UCLA apparently says Aristotle's age has racist admissions, even had, among colleges. I had to get rid of some uh, someone in, in the chat. Uh, I'm not yeah. surprised. Not surprised at all. So we have some good news to end the show on. First of all, again, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you can see that SNL inexplicably came in with a beautiful... <laughs> kind of parody of, of the Hillary Clinton announcement. And there was one little part of it. And let me see if I can, I don't know if I can scroll to it real quickly. Actually, let me see if I can actually get to it. Because um, I just want to play with you one little part. Okay, here, let's see if more? it. Here she goes. Okay, um, maybe, maybe a lot more. Here. Great. Great, okay, and action. Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. Now, really, that's what she was saying. Yeah. And this is why I say big sister, yes. big sister. Yeah. We need it. And she was a forced smile, you know, like, right. like she does. She puts on this really horrific Joker smile, Hillary Clinton. Again, because she never smiles. Citizens, so you will elect me. I will be your leader. And this is what SNL does. Just before her announcement. Someone, someone tried to say, why her? Why didn't they go, out, they go after Obama? I guess because they're sexist, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but someone was trying to suggest something. Why? Why? Because she sucks. I mean, she's terrible. And this was darn funny. Yeah, and it, they, was, and it, and it is true. true. It's she's true. Everyone coming knows in That's why people laugh. Because they know that's exactly how, what, that's the subtext of her entire speech. Hey, you better vote for me or else. Well, and the other thing is they must have had a preview of her video or something. Well, well, no, 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 but but here's the thing, because in in another part of it, the aide, you know, the so-called aide is telling her. Why did they have Huba? Why did they have her? She's all by her side. Why? Because that that would be considered racist. Maybe. But but the uh, anyway the the aide is reminding her that it's the announcement is supposed to be about everybody else, not about her. So remember, you know, again the, at, the, at the beginning of the commercial, mm-hmm. you see all these families and they're talking about whatever mundane things and put it in the most mundane, least ideological terms possible. You know, oh, it's just everyday life. Oh, I'm just like what of you? Oh, I'm doing something big too. I'm announcing for president. Like, what the what in the world? Because yeah, everyone announces for a president, right? Right. Me, you, others, right? Anyway, the, whole, the whole country does. So kudos to SNL. Keep up the good work. Yeah. I hope to see more of this as time goes on. Uh, you know, so part of me says, well, are they just doing it because they basically say, okay, well, let's laugh at her now because we're all going to love her and that's just how there is going to be. So let's just make fun of her and love her both. I don't know about that. I don't know because they, they went, they undercut her before she even really runs, before she announced, I think, technically. Yeah, yeah, because so, it was Saturday night. I don't, yeah. There's something there. Okay. Maybe she wasn't, I don't know, maybe not friendly to SNL. 
I mean, maybe it's personal. Who knows? Lauren Michaels maybe voted for Obama instead of her, doesn't like her. It might be as petty as that. A couple other good things. One is that Bosch is the People's Choice winner for the AFDI Muhammad Cartoon Contest, thanks in part to yeah. many of you for Thank going you. over to Breitbart According to and that voting. Site, even, yeah. though, even though someone just went to my blog and said, hey, dude, uh, that's not the case. So, yeah. So I guess I, I did it because some random person just posted on my blog about that. Wait, so you didn't win? That's what this one person saying. Oh. Even though it was the official Facebook page uh, that said uh, the People's Choice winner. And they put my my, my draw in there, so I don't know. Okay, so who who is the random guy who came to your blog and did this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, people started emailing me, and I was like, uh, "Let me wait. Let me sit on it because I'm not sure. You know, you don't know about these things, right? Unless you hear from the source. I haven't heard anything. So that page, it was the official page, the People's Choice Award winner." With an exclamation point, and my drawing was there. As far as I know, that means I won, right? You would think so. This person's trying to say no, so. Because that's not true. So was it hacked? Is that the idea? Uh, I mean, I I thought I thought it was a possibility. Not that <laughs> not that I couldn't win, but I wanted to sit on it because weird things happen. You know, weird things happen out there. Who knows? I mean, I, 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 I have I, been informed. I know by, on Breitbart, some people were voting for like the one where the thing was pissing and all. Right, yeah, right. Meh, lame, yeah. horrible. But, but not enough. Um, more important, awesome news is what with respect to infidel issue three. I finished inking uh, the infidel number three. Awesome. Fifty-five pages inked, and if you don't know what inking is, it's uh, I have uh, I I I write the story and then I draw I draw the uh, I draw the story on bristleboard paper and pencil. And then I use my uh, brush for the pigment parts of the book and pens for the um, killing part. And now ne- the next stage is color. Color and then lettering. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get those done as soon as I can to get the issue out. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. So congratulations on Thank that. You. And then Thanks, just, everyone. Just for fun, at the very end of the program notes for today at the blog, Again, go to don'tletitgo.com for leaving comments on today's show. Just don't leave, like, racist anti-Rubio comments. No, I mean, no just... you, it won't get through. <sighs> it may um, get through because we have a, a screen. But do, do leave any comments that you have on the show. Go over, share the show with your friends. You can donate to our show. We always appreciate donations to the Buttered Coffee Fund. And check out, there's a little link at the end there. It's to a book, and the book is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up the Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. And it's a cute little book written by a super cute Japanese woman named Marie Kondo. And she basically goes all around Japan urging people to throw away a whole bunch of their stuff. Mm -hmm. And the standard by which she tells people to curate the stuff in their homes is whether or not the items in their home in their wardrobes, everywhere throughout their house, bring them joy. And she insists that if you go through everything that you own properly one time, you will never have to do it again, that tidying up will not actually be a daily chore in your life. It's something you do once, thoroughly, perfectly, and never again. So um, if you're interested in such things, go ahead and check that out. I might actually be getting a group of people together for a decluttering boot camp 
mm-hmm. sometime in the near future. But given my schedule, I'm not going to be able to do it until several weeks out. So, um, but stay tuned. Again, subscribe over at the blog. Go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. And if you're not already an email subscriber, subscribe over there and you can keep up with any of those things. Of course, I'll announce it on the show here, too. And, Anything uh, else, Bosh, for tonight? You should check out Daredevil on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Daredevil. It's a superhero. It's a, based on a comic book. One of my favorite comic books of all time, written by Frank Miller. When he wrote it, it was just great. And it's it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's a 13 episode they dropped last Friday, all in one shot. And it's a little violent. If you don't don't care for that, I wouldn't recommend it. It's dark, violent, and it's really well done, well acted, well directed. It's really well done. You said there were things in there that actually surprised you somewhat oh, yeah. and stuff, so that it was no, that, not uh, predictable in any no, way. Okay, it was good. not. Good. It's not based on any any particular story from the character. It really took uh, and it, the the show was informed by the best comics and made its you know it, it, it's its own story, and it's really well done. I'm I'm very very pleased that I you know I love I love that character when Frank Miller wrote him and I couldn't really follow after other writers came and people tried to actually pretend that there were other writers who understood the character were better than Frank Miller when he wrote it, which is impossible. You know, Frank Miller wrote this one story called Born Again and after that, I don't even think he could have topped it. I mean, Frank Miller himself couldn't have topped <laughs> wow. it. That, that's how good it was. Wow. And they, they, they could have canceled the series at that point. I mean, and it's like, okay, what, what a send-off. But of course, they got to maintain them up the comics. And they try to, you know, pretend that they're as good, if not better. Please. Right now, he's running around in a literally a red business suit as a lawyer, written by Mark Wade, leftist. And I'm supposed to be interested in that? It's pathetic. Okay, we're going to leave you with the future president of the United States. Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. That was Big Sister talking, everyone. Have a good night. We will talk to you Friday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time, again, right here at Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for everyone in the chat room participating tonight. Thank you for your patience with our rude caller. And we'll see you again next time. Take care. Take care.